What the Beep Do You Know About Learning English is a podcast for intermediate to advanced learners of English, and some teachers might find it interesting too. The podcast aims to provide different perspectives on teaching and learning English, and at the same time develop our listeners' English skills. In this episode, we interview Jason R. Levine, the teacher trainer, language explainer, high stress drainer, knowledge entertainer, the one and only fluency MC. We talk about wrapping your way to English success, meaningful repetition, and the only infix in English. Do you know what it is? Okay, let's start rioting. In this segment, we find out about our teacher's origin story or where they got their teaching superpowers from. So Jason R. Levine, or better known as Fluency MC, what the beep do you know about teaching English? Let's see, I started teaching, the first, the first class of students I ever had was uh, in, in Brooklyn. It was above a storefront. It was um, a pretty, uh, pretty informal uh, environment, teaching environment. Uh, it, was, it was students from mainly from uh, Central and South America uh, who worked at a factory nearby. Um, and it was a huge class, uh, but I loved it. I loved it. I didn't really, I had experience, um, in, in teaching, but not in teaching English, uh, as a, as a second language. Uh, and I, I fell in love with it right away. Um, and then went on from there to, to get myself to my master's and, and taught along the way at a bunch of different places in New York city. When I first saw you it was like on YouTube with your like stick stuck stuck video. So when you... Which way did it sort of begin? Were you a like a raffer before, or were you the teacher first, then the raffer? Um, I was definitely a teacher first, then a rapper. But I was a DJ before I was a teacher. Um, so oh, yeah. and a hip hop DJ. So you know, I, I hung out with people who 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 rhymed. Um, but and you know, I messed around with it, but never seriously. And when I started, when I realized I wanted to use. Uh, I wanted to write songs for my students. Uh, I went to I went to hip hop because of the beats because I'm I, I made the music um, you know with my DJ experience, um, and then I can't sing anyway, so rapping was yeah. the the obvious thing uh, to do. Uh, but you know when I when I when I started I you know I didn't perform in front of students uh, at first um, at mm. all. Um, I made CDs for them. Because the whole point was out of class practice anyway. It wasn't rapping in the classroom. Uh, and, you know, when I, I, I demonstrated a little bit for them and with them, uh, but it was all about their doing it outside of class. Um, and, you know, when I, when I did that video for Stick Stuck Stuck, the irregular verb song, it was more of the students mm -hmm. like, oh, we should make a video. We should make a video. That wasn't like, you know, a typical day in the classroom. Oh, yeah, cool. And then... I suppose you then got more involved, I suppose, in the online world after that point. Right, right. Well, that was what I was just talking about just now. That was, you know, 2007. Uh, up, I'm sorry, when I wrote that song and made the CDs up until, yeah, so that the video came out 2010 or early 2011. Um, yeah, and, and the, as a result, the response to that, uh, I made, made more videos, you know, I, I reached a bunch of students and teachers in different countries and, and then got, got into uh, 
social media from there. Are you still teaching in the classroom a lot or are you more an online teacher now? I'm, I'm actually neither of those things as much. Uh, I do both of those things, but what I do primarily, like sort of my main my main job, my main income is doing uh, workshops at schools. Uh, so I go, I go around to schools, uh, mostly now in France, uh, middle schools and high schools, sometimes primary schools and universities, and sometimes uh, in Spain, Italy, and other countries. Um, but um, main, mainly in France, there's, a, there's a, a lot of work in France for me right now, which is great because uh, it's you know, closer to home is, is better. Um, but yeah, the, I, when I'm not doing those workshops, um, I do a bit of teacher training uh, and I teach also at two um, universities in Paris um, where I have the uh, good fortune of being able to teach like around my workshop schedule. Um, so most of the time I'm, I'm going into to middle schools and high schools to do workshops. They, they're basically shows uh, with, with kids. Um, and then, um, but I do teach online too. I have a few private students still. Uh, and I, I participate in online things once in a while uh, with other teachers. And with, with the future, I suppose the Fluency MC, do you have any sort of new projects or uh, styles or wraps coming out? Yeah, well, um, uh, yeah, a, a, a bunch of things are going on. Uh, I'm working with uh, I'm working with these guys called Anzic. They they make they're French. They make uh, rap music to prepare for the French baccalaureate exam, like the high school exam. So okay, they, cool. They make raps in English. Uh, sorry for you know French history, science, and I'm doing uh, working on English stuff with them. Uh, let's see. I'm um, as far as musical styles, I'm definitely moving more into not exclusively but i'm gonna get more into you know more modern hip-hop sounds like uh sort of trap trap music style not necessarily trap music uh flow in 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 my in my raps but um you know music that especially when i'm with kids in uh in college you know the the style their style and my style uh kind of different i'm definitely getting old man uh, <laughs> then there's um there's a there's a, a really really big project I'm I'm working on that I, I haven't talked about much uh, and and I'll mention it here but I don't want to jinx it <laughs> but it's basically okay. a big one I mean I, you know I don't talk too, I feel like if I talk too much about it, I'm a little superstitious then you know but we'll, but, um, but it's basically a tel- television show um, that be you know uh whether it's pay-per-view or like you know membership or something like you know internet based but a, but a, yeah. a weekly show like an internet a show international show for kids uh learning english uh so cool. we'll, it sounds that, exciting that would, that would be a efl more of an efl thing for sure i can't wait to see that one don't jinx it man it's not it's not yeah, yeah. sorry sorry <laughs> i don't know about it nobody knows it's still a secret it's not, no no, no. I'm, I'm happy I, I should start talking about it you know because if i don't talk about it then i'm not also have a chance of, of not making it happen but yeah so i'm working on with some producers in la and um yeah man i mean it's like in in theory it's it's incredible you know whether whether we can make it happen uh is is another thing but um Keep you keep you posted on that. Yeah, yeah, cool. And with uh, I suppose with our listeners, I think we've got some student and some teacher listeners. What's the best way for them to I don't know follow follow you or get in touch with your sort of materials? 
Yeah, and the best thing is, um, if you just remember my name, Fluency MC, everything is, you know, uh, just if if you Google Fluency MC, then go to whatever you prefer, YouTube for videos, um, Instagram to follow, like the shows that I do with kids. Um, if you're a student and you want to chat in English and meet other students, definitely Instagram is is the place right now more than more than Facebook. If you're a teacher, uh, I'm very active on Facebook and teacher groups. Um, I'll do a little plug for for the main group that that uh, I admin, which is the Innovative Teachers of English, which is almost to a quarter million uh, members and is as, wow, far as a lot. Yeah, as far as I can tell, it's the biggest and most active group of English language teachers in the world. Our second segment is called Study Tip of the Iceberg, where we find out our guests' top language learning tips. So, Jason, what's the secret to English success? You know, in, in the past, uh, up until a few years ago, uh, you know, I didn't have a single word to, to answer, and I never thought you really could have a single word to answer, but I definitely do now, um, and, that's, and that's repetition. Then quickly need to add, you know, meaningful repetition, something that you enjoy doing in English, but that you repeat. Um, you know, so in this sense, it's, it's exactly the same as any other skill, like, you know, practicing scales on the piano, practicing your backhand in tennis, uh, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's repetition. You see it in every person that achieves fluency and has high accuracy, um, in, in the language. You don't see people who have done mindless, you know, uh, repetition, drilling, this kind of thing, uh, because, you know, if it's not interesting, you're not going to do it. And people who – it's a rare person that does enough repetition with boring, <laughs> uh, you know, drills and textbook-style uh, uh, discourse. So what I'm talking about more is like, you know, um, a, a formula I've seen now again and again. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's definitely the best one I've seen so far. So I'll just put it out there first. Um, we can talk about other things too. But uh, is – a student who gets into an online game where you need to either, you know, chat in English with people to, to uh, progress or, uh, and or follow directions in English and understand things in English to, to do well at the game. And that the game, I'm not saying everyone should learn through games, it's just this example will explain what I mean uh -huh. about repetition. Uh, that <clears throat> in order to, excel at the game. So the person, if you get addicted to the game, you want to, you know, more money for the game. You want to do better at the game. You want to meet more people. These are all, you know, motivating factors that are not, I need to improve my English. So that's the first thing that, you know, you're, you're motivated to do it. It's, it's more intrinsic motivation, right? You just, you want the game, you're addicted to it. You like it, whatever. It's not, I need to improve my English, but to do better in the game, you need to improve your English. So then what happens that, and this is where it's different from many things, is to do better at the game, you need to watch tutorials. So I've seen these students um, who, you know, middle school, high school, even adults, um, but generally middle school more than anything else, uh, who who start watching these tutorials on YouTube in English to to learn how to play their game you know, to do get more points in the game, money in the game, meet more people in the game. And then they watch the same tutorial six times, 10 times. Um, not because repetition, you know, is, is how you learn a language, but because 
they won't, they don't understand it or they need to get all the information from it. So they just want to repeat it. Uh, and those tutorials are filled with all of the basic grammar, you know, phrasal verbs, tenses, prepositions, you know, um, th and those tutorials tend to be, you know, 18 minutes long, 27 minutes long. And, and they often have two or three people talking. So I've seen unbelievable results. Uh, an extreme example is, is this friend of my uh, sis uh, sister, my daughter, uh, my, my daughter's bilingual. This girl, her parents uh, speak no English, no English in the household. She got into a bilingual program because of, uh, of what I'm talking about. Because she went from playing this game then to listening to music, to watching series, to <laughs> now she's doing academic English. But the point is, I mean, there are other examples of this too, right? I mean, it's like a person who, uh, you know, uh, kids who want to hear the same song again, repeat the same book again, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've definitely yeah, seen that stuff at school. Like sometimes at our school you get, you know, quite young kids coming in and they're they're speaking quite fluently and yet their parents have zero English Yeah, and you're trying to work out where, where does it come from? And yeah. often it comes, they're were, they were either, as you say, playing yeah. a type of game or watching yeah. like, you know, cartoon programs and just absorbing all this language and it just comes out. It's, it's pretty amazing when you see that. It's, it's great, man. Think, yeah, how can I unlock that for everyone else? <laughs> Aha. And that's exactly what I was going to say next was, you know, when yeah. I do teacher training for English language teachers, this is to me the most important thing. I try to get them to agree with me that really other things are, are so small compared to this. How can we hook more students this way? Because if we, you know, tell them to go do it, if we just give them examples, like I just gave, that's not what works. What works is, you know, every, the students that I know that have done this, you know, nine, nine times out of 10, uh, it's because they fell into it. Someone showed them this game, you know, it was very indirect. It was never, uh, you should do this. And certainly it wasn't, you know, you should improve your English by doing this. So I think, you know, we need to think about ways to avoid as teachers, you know, uh, pushing students to do things to improve their English and think about ways, not that it's easy, but ways to kind of inspire them to find things, set up situations where they're more likely to get hooked uh, by, by uh, media, especially, and maybe other things too, but especially media. I mean, before, before new media, you wouldn't, you'd see the person that watched cartoons and, and this happened, but that was about it. Uh, and now there's so many other ways uh, of getting getting exposed to you know repetitive meaningful repetitive practice with English in a fun way um so yeah that's and the other thing I would say is um is collocations you know um and that's the combination of you know repetition and then learning learning vocabulary and grammar through chunks through chunks of language um and if you can do both which is you know the example I just gave you about the student watching the tutorials over and over and it's it's getting those chunks of language, not analyzing the grammar, not studying the grammar. You sort of started with that. I noticed like you got interested in the lexical approach, was it, way back? Was that in your master's or when you were teaching you came across that? Oh, yeah, when I was teaching like really, really early on, uh, luckily. Um, so, you know, I got into it 
almost as soon as I got into teaching, because uh, I was at a school that was on it was it was a UK school in New York uh, where I was doing a lot of work uh, as a teacher. So all the, the books were all British, and you know it was very vocabulary focused and lexical approach focused. Um, and I was teaching Cambridge exam uh, preparation and, um, with, with materials from the UK. And, but, but, you know, what, where the lexical approach left me hanging, uh, was, you know, with, with the practice. So, you know, what happened was, you know, I agree with everything they were saying about learning through chunks. And then I was like, okay, so, and then everything they were saying about how many times we need to meet vocabulary to remember it. So like they were getting into talking about the repetition with the chunks, not just studying them, but getting exposure. I was like, okay, so then how, do, wh- what do you have for my students to get this exposure? Oh, we have these, you know, worksheets. <laughs> it's like, wait, wait a second, guys, you know? So then, cause that's back to the same problem. A student will do a make and do worksheet and love, you know, collocations with make and do, but then are they going to remember them? and be able to produce them automatically in a conversation that comes from the repetition. So that's when I started making the songs and, and making games based on collocations. Yeah. All my stuff's based on collocations from then until today. And with you, how did you, you know, when you were doing your songs, did you, where do you usually start? You see like a problem students are having with a particular, I don't know, theme or grammar point, And then you went from there or. Exactly. Exactly. Um, there are a few other things I do these days, but mainly it's that. And the song I just finished yesterday uh, was a song that people have wanted for a long time. Practice with um, ed pronunciation in regular verbs in the past simple. So the t, d, and id sound. So I actually wrote a song years ago, and it's the video is still very popular, uh, but it's definitely more of a u- high school to university uh level song not not necessarily in, in the difficulty level but in the theme it's about this guy and this uh this this woman meeting uh, going on a date and stuff and you know it's not it's not like <laughs> x-rated or something but, but it's, <laughs> it's not something i would do at Col- in the college in, in france like in the middle schools uh, so people have been asking for a while for, for, for a song like that, French people in particular, like Brazilians, for example, is, you know, two groups that really have a hard time with the ED pronunciation, uh, at the end. And not, not that those are the only two groups, but I've taught a lot of Brazilians and French. And so anyway, so yes, I wrote the other one because of my Brazilian students. So I wrote this one more for the French students. So I just, I just finished that one last night. And, you know, so it's, it's a teacher was like, you know, can you do it? Could you have a song for that? And I couldn't, I didn't really have it. So, uh, I wrote it. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's basically, it's, it's students requests, teachers requests and my own, you know, uh, you know, myself noticing areas that are particularly tricky or boring or, you know, uh, where repetition is, is going to be the fastest way for, for students to, to internalize that grammar or vocabulary. All right. So we've got to get our students to repeat, repeat, repeat and find <laughs> yeah. things that they're, that they're passionate about. <laughs> This segment is Languaged Unmasked. We find out about our guests' own experiences of learning a second language. So, Jason, could you tell us a a bit about your language learning journeys? Sure. Um, Well, I started started, uh, French class in middle school. Um, You know, we had had to choose a language. Uh, My parents 
my parents spoke some French, so I thought that I already knew a couple words. So I thought that would be good. And, um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't really get into it at first. Um, but, uh, but I started to, I started to, I think mainly not because, Oh, I was so interested in France or French culture, but I was just, I was really interested in, in English class, like analyzing language early, you know, so I was comparing French and English. So that was fun. Um, then, um, yeah, I continued French through high school. Um, then didn't use it really. Uh, then I met, my wife in New York, uh, and she was from Paris. So, you know, I'm one of those classic, you know, you never know you, how you might use something when you study it, you know, <laughs> your parents tell you, <laughs> you never know, you might use French. Today. Um, so yeah, I, def <laughs> I definitely needed French. My kids are bilingual and then I moved to France. Um, so now, uh, now I need it. Uh, whereas, you know, before it was helpful, um, you know, Connecting with my wife. Did you wife. find in your your French studies? Do you like sort of practice what you preach with your, you know, how you teach your English students? Do you take those own words of wisdom? I love that question. Uh, absolutely not. And, and it's not, <laughs> it, it, the re, but the reason is the reason is I'll tell you, man. It's because I am waiting to naturally get into something French where I just have to keep doing it. So I'm, I'm sort of, I am practicing what I preach in the sense that like, I'm not going to try. Uh, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean I don't try to speak French on the street. I speak French everywhere, but my French is not improving. Uh, it, it's, it's plateauing. I mean, it's proving a little bit. It would improve exponentially if I were doing meaningful practice. But for me, the idea of meaningful practice is I'm trying to look I'm trying to look at falling into it. You know, so like somebody today, you know, in, in an hour from now was like, oh, you know, you've got to check out this French podcast. I listened to it and I just wanted to hear the next one. Like that, that's what I'm looking for. Or I should say, I'm not, that's what I'm, not, I'm not looking for. <laughs> I'm waiting for that. <laughs> waiting for. Yeah. Do you ever get into the French rapping or not? Well, see, that's the thing. French rap, I'm totally into but it's 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 not comprehensible input, man. It's like it's like <laughs> argot. It's dialect. It's you know it's all the stuff that that you know hip hop and English is to to people who aren't native speakers of English, which is you know one of the benefits of what I do. You know because I'm writing stuff with the English they need for class tests, the supermarket. Um, you know, and it's comprehensible. Uh, so I, I I listen to a lot of French hip hop, man, but I don't really understand it. <laughs> You're waiting for a <laughs> French French fluency MC to start putting it. If, if somebody turned me on to someone doing what I do in French, you know what I mean? But I'm definitely doing this experiment now. My French is good enough uh, for everyday life here, um, especially because I'm not working in a French company. I work with English teachers and English students. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm definitely not going to push myself to try to learn more French because I'm really curious about learning, you know, getting more uh, – insight into the idea of just getting hooked on something naturally as part of the segment we often i i ask my guests whether they have any uncomfortable or embarrassing stories in their second language because i see sometimes students can sort of i don't know if they have a bad experience in speaking english they sort of retreat back a bit so i thought if we can share these stories people will get more comfortable with making mistakes in a second language are you suggesting that my french isn't perfect damien <laughs> <laughs> no, no, um, it could be a hundred percent. 
an embarrassing moment in in, in France. Uh, <laughs> I have them all the time. Um, I had one just a few days ago. In fact, okay, yeah, I was I was um, between here and Belgium. And I think anyway, it doesn't matter. I've been traveling a lot lately, uh, but I was at a school. I finished, we finished the workshop uh, and uh, I was talking to in French with, uh, so I usually talk to the teachers in English, but I was talking to the sound guy. He wasn't the sound guy. He, he did other stuff at the school, but he was helping me with the sound and packing up the equipment. And um, he was asking about the, sh about the show. He liked it. And, you know, he, he asked me, um, how much I usually make, you know, for the show. Cause he was interested cause he has a, a friend or his wife maybe who teaches at another school. So he wanted to know how much I charge for a workshop. And I thought he said, how many students do you think you had today? <laughs> so I said, <laughs> I said between 50 and 80, cause it was actually a small workshop. So I, I often have 150, 200 students. I know. It, was, it was even funnier because it was 50 to 80. So I said 50 to 80. He was like, are you crazy? You've got to charge more in this country. Maybe in the United States you would do that. <laughs> you have to pay for your train. I, I had no idea what he was talking about. Uh, so <laughs> we, we lost. And then then I, I don't know how it happened. I, I realized what the problem was. I was like, no, 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 no. I make, I make a lot more money than, than 80 euros from my workshop. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And we found... French, do you have any sort of, I don't know, cool expressions in French which, which we don't have in English? You know, idioms are definitely a weak point of mine because, you know, again, like I, that, that would come more from repetition. I mean, to really remember an idiom well, there's got to be uh, enough repetition of it, whether you, you see it or hear it or even if it's in your head. In this case, this one I just like, so I, re I remember it because I, I repeat it in my head. And it's not that common in French, so you have to be careful with idioms sometimes, right? You, you learn something cool and colorful, but it's not like every day, every day. But anyway, in this one, uh, je connais la musique, which means uh, which translates literally as uh, I know the music, which means like, uh, like uh, you know, my son says, oh, you know, I'm going to clean. I see him and I say, you know, you need to clean your room. And he says, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I'll do it. I, I'll remember. Yeah, je connais la musique. It's like, yeah, sure. I've heard this before, you know. Oh, that's cool. Linked into your whole, like, fluency MC sort of well, thing. Right. I mean, I remember it because it's, it's, it's music, right? It's, if the word music were in every idiom, then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. In its raining swear words and idioms, we find out our guest's number one expression or swear word in English. So, Fluency MC, what are we going to focus on today? Swear word, idiomatic expression, or a bit of everything? A, a bit of everything. I'm going to give you two things, if that's all right, Damien. Yeah, yeah, go for it. The first one uh, is it's pouring. For It's raining hard because of how many students I've heard say, in a very uncomfortably, it's raining cats and dogs. <laughs> when that is actually a very low frequency idiom, and it's hard to say it right. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah, I remember yeah. saying that it's not really used at all. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. And it's also kind of like, God, it's raining cats and dogs out there. Okay, so we need to, you know, it's, it's, it's not like you're stopping in front of the window and you turn to someone and say, it's raining, Cassidy, you know, the way <laughs> students would say it or how I would say something in French, you know, and, and make a fool of myself. Um, so, um, yeah, so it's pouring is also, you know, 
equally idiomatic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's so high frequency, uh, at least in American English. In Australian English, I think we say it, it's pissing down for. It's pissing down, <laughs> right, right, which we do sometimes yeah. too. But we wouldn't say, we'd say it's pissing down rain for some reason. I guess it's just not common enough to, to abbreviate that one. I know oh, okay, yeah. Like, it's pissing hard out there. It's pissing. There are different expressions. But, yeah, we would just pissing rain down there. But we wouldn't say it's pissing out or it's pissing or it's pissing down hard or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I could talk about this topic forever. i got to be careful because now there's all the differences in pissings because, you know, I'm pissed off <laughs> compared to I'm drunk in British English, you know, pissed. Uh, which we don't say in American English. I don't know about Australia, but that's another podcast. The other thing, because you said, you know, we could talk about a, a, a big word, a dirty word, a slang, a square word, whatever you want to call it, uh, is I don't know how many people, students and teachers realize this, but, uh, you know, not in most languages, but many languages have infixes. So not just prefixes and suffixes, but uh, infixes where you can put something in the middle of the word. And at first glance, it looks like English doesn't have infixes. And then when you look carefully, you discover there's one infix in English. Now, if, there's, if, I, if I'm wrong about this, I'd love someone to tell me. It's not like prove me wrong. I, this is what I've, I've learned uh, in linguistics, and, and maybe, maybe it's not true or maybe it's changed. But that the one infix in English is fucking. The word fucking. Okay. Uh, as in unfucking believable. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> well, that's interesting. I've, I've learned a whole new, like, suffix type thing. Infix, all right. Unfucking believable. I didn't, I didn't realize it existed. But the craziest part, it's not just that that's the only infix, but you can't substitute any other uh, swear word in there. <laughs> Did, um, and if a student wanted to use that expression, what context do you think they, they, they would use it in? It's, it's definitely surprise. Our final segment, In the Red Room, is inspired by Twin Peaks. So, Jason, can you give us a bonus expression or sentence and we'll speed it up or slow it down and the first listener to decode it and leave either an audio comment or a typed comment on the blog post will get a prize. Okay, Fluency MC, what is your bonus expression? Well, I'm going to use it in a short sentence. It's a, a phrasal verb that's really high frequency, uh, but you don't hear it, uh, you don't see it uh, on lists. At least I don't see it often on lists. So I'm just going to give you a, a sentence with it, a short sentence. Uh, it's at the end of the sentence. Okay. So the sentence is... I didn't know anyone at the party, so I felt really left out. All right. Thanks for that. Um, and thank you, Jason, for making the time to be interviewed today. One of the great, uh, great things for me, I think I'm always, you know, learning a lot myself and hopefully the listeners are learning. And, and I know today I've learned a new expression, infix. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it was a pleasure. I, I, what, what great, uh, you know, original, unique questions you had for me. So I, I enjoyed it immensely and I, I hope your listeners enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed our sixth episode with Fluency MC. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment through the Anchor app or at English Riot to have the chance of winning the prize. Also, head over to www.englishriot.com for bonus material, including how to use some of the English expressions from this episode. 
Finally, sign up for English Riot's e-newsletter, The Sledgehammer, to get access to weekly English learning tips. See you in episode seven, where we interview Vanessa from Speak English with, um, Vanessa, one of the number one learning English YouTube channels on the net.